This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, Professor of Sport Management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, we have a recorded interview with Megan Madsen, who's the Manager of Partnership Marketing with Minor League Baseball. We discussed the creativity of minor league marketing and promotions. We talked a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 on the sport, her career path to minor league baseball, and women working in sport, and how we can get more women involved, and just some of the the unique highlights uh, of being a woman and, and working in professional sports. I hope you enjoy. Megan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Pat, thanks for having me. Happy Friday. Thank you. Happy Friday to you, and it's our pleasure to have you on. Megan Madsen is one of our distinguished and acclaimed Trine University Sport Management alums, so we're very excited to have her on the podcast today. And she comes from an interesting role. Megan works on the activation side of sponsorship sales at Minor League Baseball. So, Megan, before we kind of get too hot and heavy on, on what you're doing there at Minor League Baseball, tell me a little bit about your background from, from graduating to trying and, and how you made it to the headquarters of Minor League Baseball down in Florida. Yeah, I think, you know, it all begins, you know, my life from a very young age was involved with sports, particularly baseball and softball. It was the, uh, the Americana baseball apple pie in Chevrolet that kind of brought me into the sport. <laughs> and, you know, from there on, it was you know, everything I wanted to do, whether it was, you know, playing, you know, high school, travel um, with friends. Um, and for me, the really big picture was, you know, I was at a baseball game, probably a Tigers game down in Detroit over the summer. And you realize that you look at the the ballpark for what it is and you have everything between the white lines, the players, the umpires, the actual baseball game. Um, but then when you broaden your horizons a little bit and you look outside of those white lines, you've got to understand that there is a process to getting this baseball game in any sporting event up and running. Um, and then from there, it was how do you get involved, whether it be, you know, finding a program like Trine or somewhere else and, you know, getting your first start and getting your, your foot in the door of, of an education and learning what the sports industry is. Uh, you know, lucky enough to find Trine and spend four great years there, all while finding an internship that really helped me get my foot in the door with the Princeton Rays, um, I believe in the summer of 2013. For me, it was my first foray into professional athletics and sports working in the industry. Um, and it was a very eye-opening, you know, we'll call it three months, you know, you're doing everything and anything from, you know, cleaning bathrooms to pulling tarp to picking up players um, and kind of things like that. And it was really, you know, for me, those three months verified what I wanted to do for a career. You know, from there, I went back to my senior year at Trine, was lucky enough through some people I made contacts with, find another position with the Hudson Valley Renegades that following summer, which led to a full-time position in group sales with the Aberdeen Ironbirds. For me, it was another opportunity to extend my background, having, you know, so many roles within an organization just makes yourself better rounded and more, uh, you know, more wanted when you go through application processes and looking for jobs. You know, I spent about a year, year and a half in Aberdeen. Again, loved it, but just realized what I needed was a change um, and found an opportunity in St. Petersburg, Florida to come down here and work at the minor league baseball headquarters. Uh, almost four years ago. So it's been a whirlwind journey, you know, all the way back to 2010 when I walked down to Trinity University for the first time uh, to where we are today. 
your kind of career path is, is really kind of what we talk about in the classroom. And it's something that I kind of hammer home with students and, and hopefully they're listening to this podcast here. And one thing that we tell them is that, you know, your degree itself, whether it be sport management or sport and rec or whatever it is, sport marketing, it's not a path to a job. You know, you need it to get your foot into the door, but you know, something that you highlighted there were your internships. And I know that just a little bit about your story, you've done a lot of networking and so, so that's one thing we tell students, if you want a job in sports, and you're at a really cool position there in minor league baseball, you know, at the headquarters, um, you've got to network your way to that job. So we tell them to go out and network, but, you know, what are some useful things that, that you found out just going through the process, or now that you're on the other side and you've been in it for a few years, you know, what are some of your kind of tips and recommendations you would give, you know, what does networking look like? two GMs I previously worked for, you know, knew each other. Um, so that word of mouth goes a long way. You know, if you kick butt in one position, they're going to keep carrying on that good word of your name. Uh, networking, honestly, was something I don't like. I am not someone to go up <laughs> to a person and introduce myself and do that naturally. Um, it's something that I, I still find hard today, but you have to do it because no matter where you end up, there's probably three or four degrees of separation to someone knowing someone who you previously worked with. Um, even now today, you know, we work with 160 clubs across the country, you know, being able to pick up a phone call and have a conversation with someone you met three years ago, you have to have those connections um, and just keeping those going throughout the year, whether it's, you know, just checking in to see how they're doing a two minute conversation, um, but you have to keep those up, you know, as you go on the industry and, you know, hopefully you can pay that favor back to someone who, you know, is graduating or needs an internship. And you hit, on talking about, you know, picking up the phone and calling somebody. And, and I think talking with somebody is incredibly powerful. It's a skill. I think we, we've lost a little bit just because it's so much easier to kind of reach out on social media. But on the same, on the same end or, or kind of on the other side of that, I guess, you know, social media is an incredible, powerful tool. I've met so many people just through LinkedIn that I would have never had access to. So was that kind of one of the things that you had in your tool belt was being able to kind of connect with people online. Yeah, I think, you know, LinkedIn kind of, you know, started the formal social network, you know, coming in with something that looks professional and, you know, shares who you are. But I also think there's value in, you know, a little less casual setting, you know, a Twitter or, you know, something like that. You know, I know I, Paul, I follow you and, and see everything that you kind of post and, you know, sharing that message. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, a lot of cub stuff on there that, you know, yeah. I, I kind of scroll through and, and just don't look at that. Um, <laughs> but I also think, you know, things like Twitter and, and some of the other social medias, you know, what they're going through or what they're seeing in the industry. You know, I think of a front office sports who's kind of, you know, throwing mm -hmm. themselves in the ring as a heavy hitter in, in the media space. You know, their content is so relevant to people out there, you know, not only looking for jobs, but looking for, uh, you know, what's next in the industry. Um, and, and I think that's just a really good opportunity. To be honest, I wasn't a, a Twitter fan until a couple of years ago. And self-admittedly, I had to get an account for work, just some stuff we were working on internally. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of just see it's, it's a good thing to have and, and stay connected with people, uh, you know, as, as we change industry and change jobs. And just a really good tool that if you can use it properly, great. Again, there are some downfalls of, you know, what you have on your profile and stuff like that. You have to safeguard. Uh, but if you're smart enough and you can figure out, I think it can be worked to your advantage. In, in these podcasts, when my guests are, are giving the answers to questions, they drop little nuggets. And sometimes they can kind of be easily overlooked if you're not really listening. But you talked about front office sports. And I, I think you would agree, 
you know, they're doing a really good job and, and they've only been around a couple of years, but uh, really getting out of a lot of good content about what's going on in, in sport right now. Um, they've got a great newsletter to, to sign up for that you get every day in your mailbox and it maybe takes five minutes, but it kind of touches on everything that's going on in sport. Do you still find yourself kind of doing that? Just, you know, maybe not on the networking side, but just kind of keeping up and trying to see what's going on in the industry. Yeah, I think you have to with everything, you know, given the times we are now uh, with COVID, everything's changing. Mm. You know, we should be students of the game. And if we're not learning, we're not improving, which means we're not improving personally. And we're not improving, you know, minor league baseball or the industry we're in. You know, I know a lot of the guys at front office and, you know, they've from day one done a lot of things right. And it's still, you know, great to see the content that that they're pushing out on a daily basis. And even just a few minutes before I, you know, get on my way to work or first thing I do, I check my email, my inbox, and, you know, it's three to five minutes of a, of a heavy hitter, uh, you know, what's going on. And it's just those valuable insights of what they're providing to the industry. Talking about that, and I think, again, that's one thing that, that students and, and really anybody wants to work in sport. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I, I love the sport. I know everything about it. You know, I, I would probably be a fool if I went in and, and interviewed with the Cubs because I, I kind of have... I'd fanboy a little bit, but, you know, having a, a, an appreciation of the industry and, and knowing what's going on and, and how you can bring value, you know, all those are, are really important. So let's kind of switch gears and, and talk about what it is that, that you do specifically. So tell me about your role as the, as a partnership, or, or I'm sorry, manager of partnership marketing with minor league baseball. Uh, what is kind of your day-to-day -day look like and, and what are your responsibilities? Yeah, so I, I think it starts at the beginning. You know, we go through, you know, we have larger partners who are, are nationwide. And again, we, we sign a partnership and, you know, contractually there are obligations of, you know, what that partnership is getting and what they are, you know, contractually to have. So my role is being the liaison from, you know, a subset of activation clubs, whether it be 160 large scale or maybe 13 to 30, you know, with a local presence of, of regional or, or some kind of geographical distance. And my goal is to liaise from the partner to the club. So making sure that assets, whether it be PA, signage, tickets, stuff like that, is flowed down to the local level. Whether it's a 15-second PA read to start the beginning of the second inning, um, a group outing, social media posts. There's so much stuff that, you know, we do from a partnership level that, you know, probably people don't get not being as close as. Um, but just, again, making sure that someone is there and getting everything that should be done. And also our biggest thing is providing value to the partner. So how can we find those plus ups or, you know, add on values to, you know, enhance the partnership and, you know, provide a little more value than we thought we would. Where you fit in the sales process, you know, the, the sales side goes out and, and they go find the client, make the deal. And then the contract comes to you. So you're kind of responsible for fulfilling everything that that, that salesperson put in the contract. Is that kind of an easy way to kind of sum it up? Yeah, and I think, you know, if we take it a little little step further, you know, we try to involve our partnership marketing team as soon as we can. So let's say, you know, we have a sales guy going after brand A to making sure that we're providing the company with the best framework to make sure we're hitting those, you know, KPIs and making sure the partnerships is successful. That's something that we've evolved over the past four years of not handing myself a signed contract, but, you know, working mm -hmm. hand in hand with the sales guy, the partner of the agency, if so to make sure that that whole process is seamless. So when a contract is signed, I'm not seeing it for the first time and I don't know what I'm doing. I think that's incredibly powerful because I, I did sponsorship sales for a couple of years in uh, college summer league, uh, wood bat league. And 
the way that, that our ownership group ran it, uh, they had run minor league um, baseball teams before, or at least independent leagues. So um, it was about as close as you get to minor league without being in the minor leagues and just on the business side. And so I would go out and I would have these meetings with partners. And, you know, even though the proposal before I actually went out and presented it was approved, it was being approved by the manager on the sales end. And then when activation got it, it's the first time a lot of that they would see it. And I mean, there were a number of times it would just create problems because there were things that we were promising that activation would look like and say, we can't do this in this amount of time. Uh, so I think the fact that you get to sit in those meetings, you know, it's, it's very, very smart. And it's, it's definitely been an evolution since, you know, my day one to not only bringing myself in and our team in, but how are we involving digital, uh, our digital team to make sure that digital assets are right to social media and making sure that we're, you know, making everything from the design of the logos look good to communications to making sure that we're sending the best message when we announce a partnership. So it's definitely not just sales and activation. Um, it's probably a collaboration of, gosh, probably four or five or six different departments, depending on uh, what the partner is looking for and, and who the partner is at the end of the day. So what are some of the skills that you would need or, or that you would recommend if somebody wanted to get on the activation side? Um, and this is going to be kind of a long question. I hate doing this. But, um, you know, what we hear, and I, I fight back against this, but if you want to get your foot in the door at sports, you got to do sales. And I hate putting people in that position who hate sales because you're going to fail and you're going to burn out and you're not going to want to work in sport. But there are other opportunities there as far as on the marketing team with like what you're doing on the activation side and kind of the partnership side. So, you know, are there certain skills or things that you would recommend that people should do in order to get on more kind of the activation? You talked about you're doing some things with digital signage. So um, do they need to kind of, you know, have some of those digital skills already prepared or does a sport management degree kind of encompass everything that you need? Yeah, I think that's it's a great question. And, and you know, I started off in, in sales and admittedly it was not my thing my eyes to a lot of different things going on, being able to play point for different projects and really get an understanding for every area of the business. Um, and, you know, ultimately all those skills to come together to the role that I'm in now. And that's why we're all brought together uh, because I admittedly don't know uh, what's a good social uh, impression or what's a good digital click mm -hmm. rate. But, you know, I rely on those people and we rely on each other to work our best for the partner and make sure that everything is, going the right way. I think from, you know, a student's perspective, the more well-rounded you can be, um, obviously the better, you know, just because I didn't like selling and sales doesn't mean I don't sell in my day-to-day -day job. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody sells. It's just, what are you selling? I sell indirectly, you know, whether it's, you know, a partner on an idea or pitching a, a, an idea to our digital team, you're, you will always be selling. And I think that's something that, you know, people shy away from selling. It's not something that I want to do, but like at the end of the day, you will end up doing it. Maybe not directly, but in some sort of a way, you will sell somebody something throughout your career. You know, having a little bit of sales background, it's, it's, it's a good skill to have. I mean, if you just think about an interview, I mean, you're, you know, you're selling yourself. So just having the ability to, to talk with people and, and try to, you know, figure out where they're at and, and what you can do to add value. Uh, to their business is, is extremely helpful. It's always one of those things that value added and, and where can you add that value for not only your company, but a partner um, or, or anybody you're working in, in, in any life situation, in my opinion. 
Absolutely agree with you. Um, so you've gotten to work with a lot of cool things, you know, in minor league baseball and some of your other steps before you got to the minor league headquarters. Uh, what are some of the unique promotions that, that you've gotten to be a part of? Minor league baseball is just known for wacky, fun, family, you know, friendly entertainment. Uh, and there's some awesome stuff out there. Clubs are doing a lot of cool things. In general, they just do what they do well. Um, specifically, you know, you think of our golden bobblehead, which is basically the Emmy of minor league baseball. Our, our teams can year over year for the golden bobblehead. Um, and it's just cool to see the creativity of, you know, what these, co- what these clubs come up with. Uh, and, you know, Myrtle Beach is one of those clubs that, you know, goes above and beyond with their uh, promotions and, and getting the fans in. Um, and they actually had Kentucky Derby Day at the ballpark. They had, you know, awesome jerseys that looked like jockeys. I believe they even had a uh, horse race in the outfield uh, during one of the, uh, the inning breaks. So just those fun, really cool stuff that minor league baseball teams can do, um, you know, because we do have a little more freedom and flexibility in what goes on uh, during the games. There's so many. Um, I, I believe, again, it was Myrtle Beach. One of the, uh, the general managers of the team was helping promote prostate awareness. <laughs> and it had a, a colon. There's just those really cool, fun things that, again, I, I don't know where else you could do that and not, you know, really um, kind of get in trouble or, you know, those things. Again, I just think it's so it's so ingrained in minor league baseball is, you know, you go to a game, you're going to have fun no matter what. Um, and just tying all those things together to create the ultimate night out for, you know, a family coming out to a game. I totally agree. And as you were talking, I mean, the, the colonoscopy was, was out of left field, you know, pardon the pun, but just thinking about all the different kind of minor league promotions I've seen over the years and, and just working in, in minor league baseball when I was uh, in college and in independent ball a few years ago, um, minor league teams and kind of independent teams seem to be a little risk adverse than major league teams. Um, so I, I think one of my favorite promotions is working with the dog training service and having one of their German shepherds be our bat dog, which is funny because we were the jackrabbits. So you think, you know, we got kind of rabbits everywhere. And um, he was actually, he did a great job getting the bat, bringing it back. Um, so, you know, it, it was a great thing for that partner. But uh, I don't know if you'd ever see that on a major league field. And I think back to the Lansing Lugnets, I think last year that was one of the, uh, the go-to games with Pablo Sanchez. So they had a cool uh, fan vote, you know, which team they were going to wear for the, the game, uh, Pablo Sanchez bobbleheads. And it was just one of the coolest things I've kind of seen, you know, throwing back those pop culture references and yeah. just really highlighting the night of, you know, what is happening uh, in the ballpark at any given night. Right now with minor league baseball, it looks like we're going to be playing. Um, MLB is going to be coming back and playing, and, and I'm very excited about that. Um, but with minor league baseball, what have been some of the impacts that, that you've noticed kind of in your arena uh, because of COVID-19? The one thing about minor league baseball is, you know, we have 160 operators across the country who are so creative and so unique. Um, mm-hmm. So realizing there aren't live baseball games in many of these cities right now, uh, you know, what are they doing to still, you know, be active in the community, uh, you know, keep things going on in their ballpark? Uh, you know, probably my favorite right now is the Pensacola Blue Wahoos who have put their stadium basically on Airbnb and you run it for a night, you and 10 of your friends or something, um, and having the opportunity to sleep in the dugout and, you know, play baseball in the field. Uh, just some really cool, fun things like that. You know, 4th of July is coming upon us and it's probably, you know, the most iconic holiday that you tie in with baseball. Um, and it's fun to see, you know, I think a club is doing a nine hole mini golf uh, this next weekend to, to have people out to the ballpark. 
Um, again, how are we socially distancing, doing fireworks, having movie nights on the ballpark? So just the creativity that these clubs are, you know, trying to, you know, keep top of mind in their local communities while we don't have baseball. Um, it's just been fun to see and fun to be a part of. Oh, the Pensacola would be the perfect bachelor party. When <laughs> come across my Twitter feed, I'm like, I totally want to do that. That would be so much fun. Yeah, it's like, okay, so who should I group text? Uh, $100 right. here. Uh, yeah, so it's just been fun to, you know, see those creative things. Um, you know, we have teams doing, you know, drive-in movie theaters where you can take your car and physically put it on the grass um, and watch a movie. Um, or take your family out and you have a 10 by 10 space in the outfield, bring your blankets, bring your chairs, um, and kind of just go together as a family. You know, I think a lot of people um, are looking for something socially distant and safe to do right now, and, and our clubs are doing the best they can to provide that uh, in their local communities. I think what people don't understand, you know, kind of the, the bulk of their revenue or the tree trunk of their revenue comes from ticket sales. You know, it's not TV contracts or, or sponsorships like you see in, in Major League Baseball. So um, I, I know you're hoping, and I certainly am too, that, that Minor League Baseball comes back in some form uh, this summer. But it, it has been really cool just to, as you said, to see the creativity that they're doing. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they continue to do, even if they don't play. I, I don't think they're, you know, they've kind of unloaded all their bullets yet. I, I would imagine they still got some cool stuff up their sleeve. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if these guys are anything short of uh, creative ideas, I, I'd be surprised. And I think, you know, they've got a summer of uh, what could happen, you know, depending on how the season plays out. Uh, but I'm sure we'll see some cool things as, you know, June and July roll on. You know, to, to switch gears here, I, I am kind of interested in, in talking about some of the some of the highlights and, and maybe some of the challenges of, of women working in sports. Uh, you've been in it in, in a couple different spots, you know, obviously now being um, at the headquarters of, of minor league baseball. So, you know, what's your observations and, and maybe some encouragement for, for other women to get involved? For me, when I started working, I was the only female in that group. Um, so very quickly you learn that it's not a huge female industry. And, you know, part of me is proud because you are, you know, starting to be one of the, you know, first in that, you know, area of getting an opportunity. Um, so it's all about continuing that opportunity, not for you, only for yourself, but how can you better, uh, you know, other females and other women who actually want to get into the industry? You know, my time at minor league baseball, we've seen an uptick. I think we have about five or six full-time GMs now uh, who actually run and operate clubs on a daily basis, which again, you know, four or five years ago, we would have never thought. So how do we create those opportunities? In minor league baseball, we have a women in baseball um, committee. Um, and a lot of our, our job and our thoughts is how are we introducing not only, you know, people in the industry and elevating them, but how are we also getting young women interested in working in baseball? Uh, so, you know, we've been able to do that through a couple of different initiatives. Uh, we have a mentorship program uh, pairing, you know, women who have been in the industry for a while with women who are just getting started and sharing that journey and sharing that story. A couple other, you know, events that we have surrounding the baseball winter meetings of getting all the women in our industry together and, and having an idea share, you know, bringing in speakers um, from other industries who have excelled. Um, it's not easy. The things that would, you know, impede a woman trying to get into the industry. Uh, you know, if you want to have a family, it's not the most family, you know, friendly industry to work in. Um, we have seen a flexibility in, you know, moms taking leadership roles and understanding that you can have a family and work in minor league baseball. Um, are you going to have to work harder? Yes. 
Um, but I think there's that dedication of women want to start rising to the top and have more of a leadership role. So encouraging conversation around that and a big part of our, of our stance and, and, and where we're going. And that's good to hear. And I think something that people might not really consider when you're thinking about, you know, why do we need to get more women involved in, in, in any level of sport, but I'm going to kind of concentrate on professional sport is that, you know, you, you look at a, at a lot of statistics or a lot of buying habits and, and it's women making decisions in a household. And I think the more that you can have them on your team um, and, and allowing them to have a voice kind of in the marketing on, you know, it's not just attracting dad and it's not just attracting son to the ball game. Um, but, you know, what can we do to make it more family friendly and a little bit more inclusive? And, and that's where I think minor league baseball really kind of gets it right, just because of all the fun stuff that's involved with the game. And, and I don't, and I'm not trying to be snarky about this, but I don't think a lot of people go to a minor league game and really care about who wins or loses. You know, did, did I go? Did I have fun? Did I have my hot dog? Did I win a t-shirt? Did I do all these things? Am I totally wrong on that or, or, or am I close? No, I think you, you hit the head um, on that one. You know, ask them a couple of questions of who, who played. They're probably not going to know. Um, if they do, they'll probably identify the home team, not their road team. Um, mm-hmm. Ask them who won. They're probably even likely to let to know that less. Uh, ask them if they had a good time. We, we pride ourselves on what goes on be outside the white lines. Uh, you know, did little Johnny sit in the play area for three innings and have a blast? Fine. Uh, you know, that's what we're here for. Those those fun things, not necessarily baseball. Again, I love baseball, but when I go to a minor league game, I'm, I'm not there to, you know, see who can hit more home runs or, or what the mm-hmm. score is. I want to hang out with, you know, my family, my friends, um, and just enjoy a night out. All those were, were great points. And, and like you said, I mean, just kind of making it kind of that that fun atmosphere where people are going to come and, and have a good time. And, you know, if they win or lose, you know, so so be it. But, you know, what are we doing to, to keep fans coming in? I, I think is we're, we're all really good, good points. So as we start to wind down, we talked about it a little bit as it, kind of in the intro, but um, you know, not just necessarily specific for women, but for any students who want to break into the industry, what would be your advice as somebody who, who's already gone through it? Yeah, I think we kind of talked about, you know, the, the big things is the earlier you can get an internship or get more experience, uh, whether that be, you know, uh, being a game day staff for a year or two and then getting into more of a front office, as much time you can spell, spend as a stadium or a ballpark, um, just getting to know your surroundings and who you are, um, I think will go a long way. Uh, you know, you have to understand that an internship is probably – you know, one of the only ways you'll get in and understanding that there may be some sacrifices, long hours, uh, you know, lower pay, you have to take every chance you can get to get in the industry. Uh, you know, sports is becoming a very tough place to get into um, at an entry level. And I think you have to be willing to go above and beyond to get into sports. Um, networking, I think, is also a key thing. Uh, you never know where people are going to move on and what that next opportunity would look like. You know, I think one thing is the baseball winter meetings. You know, we typically have a job fair, and it's a great place to get, uh, you know, your foot in the door. And I'm really glad you brought up the, the baseball winter meetings because, you know, obviously there's an investment for students or, or for anybody who'd want to go. I know I think uh, last year or the year before it was in San Diego and, and talking about flights and hotels. But, um, you know, I know at the, at the winter meetings, that's when minor league teams are, are doing their hiring there in December and um, you know you're just basically signing up for, for different interviews throughout the days and, and, and you're getting calls while you're there and it's kind of almost like speed dating in a way but 
uh, if you want to get your break into minor league baseball, that's the way to do it. So, you know, just kind of the recap on, on what you're saying to work in sports. It's, it's, it's late nights, uh, weekends, uh, time away from family. You've got a network to do it. There's no guarantee you're going to want to get a job. Why in the heck would anybody want to work in sports? But for me, baseball, it's like I said, that, that Americana, you know, baseball hot dogs have a fly in Chevrolet. I think we do it for the fans. Uh, you know, honestly, you know, we we're in the business of creating memories uh, every night at the ballpark. You know, you see a, a season ticket holder who comes maybe 70 times a game. You know, we were always told to, you know, pretend it's their first game that every night is a night to make an impression. Uh, you know, whether someone had just moved into town and it's their first game. You know, we, we don't know that, but, you know, let's act like it's their first game and we're going to provide them with the best experience night in, night out. It's the love of the game for us and, you know, creating the smiles when they walk out, win or lose. Well, Megan, thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast this week. No, it was great to be here. I'm glad to be involved and, and you know, be a part of the, the Trine alum. And if anybody wants to, to follow you on, on Twitter, if they uh, want to learn more about uh, what you do with minor league baseball, uh, where can they find you? Oh man, I have to check my uh, Twitter. <laughs> it is at mm underscore m a d s o n one or LinkedIn at Megan Manson. There you go. Uh, well, <laughs> Megan, uh, thanks again for joining us. No, this is great. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for our next guest in two weeks. We would like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TrineCSS. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu.